Welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. And um, I'm feeling good to be back in New Jersey, Walter, after a long couple of weeks in, uh, in San Francisco. How are you feeling on the eve of the new year? Of 2023? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that once again the Mayan calendar proved wrong and that we're, uh, you know, we're still all here and it looks like the sun's going to rise tomorrow. But um, <laughs> I, I'm feeling good. I mean, I had an arduous Christmas. It's my experience that America right now is experiencing systems degradation and everything from my truck dying at 45,000 miles um, uh, to, uh, you know, power outages to uh, some visits to the emergency room for relatives in which no one was seen for hours have convinced me that we've got a lot of work to do getting back to like 1986 levels of, you know, uh, competence and functionality in our society. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but otherwise I'm feeling good. All right. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, it's been a strange year. I guess. I guess the thing is, this is the new year. We're this is going to be technically our New Year's edition of the podcast. So, like, we should look back at. This is what journalists do, right? We look back at the most important stories of the year, but we don't know what any of the most important stories of the year were because they're all mysterious, aren't they? Uh, yeah, two thousand twenty-two was the year of limbo in journalism what i've called on this podcast the great never mind where a lot of stories ended up filed you know um we've been sort of uh before the show thinking of a few and you know one of the biggest was who leaked the roe v wade decision from the supreme court in this unprecedented you know lapse uh giving us you know a couple of months before the actual decision was released to uh fight about it mm -hmm. um, that hasn't that hasn't been solved the uh who sabotaged the Nord Stream pipeline uh that hasn't been solved yeah um, mm -hmm. uh who won in Arizona <laughs> 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 it's on its way to being solved but it's still being disputed in court to some degree what was in Trump's uh Mar-a-Lago uh retreat that required the invasion of his privacy by uh you know many federal agents was it nuclear secrets or was it you know um photographs of him signed photographs of him and north korea's leader uh you know standing in front of a backdrop in other words was it souvenirs uh overdue library books or the nuclear codes we have no idea Right, right. Trump's handwritten interpretation of how to build a nuclear device. <laughs> yes, uh... yes. His <laughs> understanding of how one works. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Nord Stream? Well, wait, wait, wait. Look, look, can we go back to Mar-a-Lago for a second? Sure. I, I still think that's the most amazing news story of the last three or four years. It was like the biggest thing on Earth for seven or eight days yeah and then it just completely fell off the face of the earth it is not covered at all anymore it seems to me well it, it isn't covered anymore but it had a strange fall it's like it fell down the stairs it didn't just fall you know into a, a well 
Yeah, or off a cliff, you know, because as the story became clouded by um, uh, ignorance of what was going on, a lot of speculation took place about what might have been going on. And it went from, you know, him selling national security secrets uh, to uh, this very recondite notion that the National Archives had been snubbed and he had taken things that belonged, you know, to the public, um, which was a real step down from the original uh, charges. But there were never any charges, really, and we still don't know. And now he's not been subpoenaed by the January 6th committee suddenly um, after the uh, uh, expectation that he would be. So it seems that the secrets of Donald Trump are, you know, except for his tax returns, receding into the fog. Hmm. Yeah, it's just such a strange one, although there there have been so many strange ones. I mean, Ukraine, w- w- the Nord Stream story. Um, like, What's the deal with a press corps that just leaves that question unanswered? Well, like, the Nord Stream story. I know. I mean... The, the the actual underwater bombing of a major piece of infrastructure, of nearly global inst- infrastructure, um, which is blown up deep beneath the sea in a way that I don't think anything comparable has been blown up, has just sort of become, you know, shit happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and, and, you know, what we did see in many of these cases was the policing of any theories about what may have happened. See, that's the most frustrating thing about the great nevermind is not only are you sort of instructed to forget or pretend it, it never happened in these, you know, incidents, you are you are discouraged from speculating on what may have happened. Right. Because the only stories that you see that really speculate are the ones that say Russia's the only country that has a motive to to have done this, um, which is just clearly absurd. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it, does anybody really take that seriously? But okay, fine. But the idea that we can just leave a question that big unanswered and just kind of move on and go about our business and onto the next story, which I guess is Andrew Tate. Who Who is Andrew Tate, by the way? Like I, I love this era of the celebrity that you find out about. Um, you find out is famous on the day that something happens to them. Right. 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 So what you're referring to is in the last couple of days, this, influencer i guess you might call him this international man of social media influence and mystery was uh maybe arrested or at least brought in for questioning in romania over some what has been characterized as a human trafficking matter uh, and was also characterized as perhaps a response to his um snubbing of greta uh, Thornburg, Thunberg, Greta Thornburg, or his his uh, insulting of her. Um, it's it's being cast on social media where there's always a good guy and a bad guy as a kind of uh, power struggle between those two. 
Um, oh, so I she... love it. So, so it's so it's like a spy story. So like he insults her on social media, and then like Yen Stoltenberg gets like the EU, uh, you know, special forces to go pick him up in Romania or something like that. Is that the, is that the theory? Well, you know. We have only theories when we have an absence of facts. And so um, when, you are, when you're left in the realm of theory, the aesthetic side of the human mind wants to, you know, wants to come up with beautiful or interesting or you know, even complex theories because we're now not in the realm of, uh, we're not in the realm of knowledge. We are in the realm of aesthetics. And uh, so it's being portrayed as, uh, a teenager punching back hard at a you know big douchebag who flies around on private jets uh telling people that if you treat women badly they'll love you um that seems to be he seems to be some sort of pickup artist douchebag um who has a guy. Who flies private jets yeah and and i think everybody who fights mma now too right they're all right. like i think he's a kickboxer he's right. a champion he's a champion kickboxer um is, so is that, a, is that an exact parallel like like journalist to influencer is is a as boxer is to mma fighter maybe well but, yes because in boxing there are rules right and, yeah. and they're very they're sort of ancient traditional rules and techniques and so on i mean they've evolved somewhat but you know it, it's the it's the um i forget what they call the the queensbury the fine, rules yeah the fine art of boxing whereas mma is distinguished by its sort of open and uh, untrammeled libertarian style uh <laughs> conflict um so, so 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 yeah journalists are you know like uh Muhammad Ali, you know, they're right. they fight within a, a realm of of rules, traditions and strategies, whereas MMA fighters are just kind of wolverines who are led into the ring and right. and, in, and and like influencers because the influencer has only one um law of survival and that's to get attention mm. no matter for what and to what end, whether immorally, uh, in ways that are, um, you know, terrible and insulting, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah. And may, so maybe, maybe, maybe Andrew uh, Tate is the heir to journalism in some way, just as MMA seems to be in some ways the heir to boxing, at least in terms of popularity. Um, right. I wonder why that is. I mean, like, I have mixed feelings about this because you know part of me wants to look down on the the influencer influencer era but then i watched some of these videos that my kids watch and they're unbelievably creative and of course the numbers that these 17 year olds or 14 year olds are putting up uh on youtube you know blow me away and um well give and, an example of, of something so that i can bite into it Oh God! I mean, uh, like there's this one guy who does nothing but but vi videos about his experiences working at uh, at at Subway. He calls it Subway, uh, and he does these <laughs> little 
these little uh cartoon videos about um uh about what it was like working behind the register and how awful people were and how they always came five minutes after the closing of the store and everything i don't know for some reason it's incredibly reassuring to listen to this this kid tell these stories and he's very creative and very funny and his delivery is really good and i'm like i I want that kid to be super rich whoever he is like uh, i'm all for it but matt that sounds like journalism to me that sounds like good old muckraking journalism like george orwell down and out you know or or um it does have a little bit of that quality actually I remember back when I worked for GQ wanting to do a story about what it's like to work at McDonald's because uh, a um, a statistic had floated around that one out of seven or whatever it was, uh, people had their first job at McDonald's. So I thought there's this widespread experience that Americans are having of working at McDonald's and I'm going to get a job at McDonald's and tell us all you know, from my enlightened literary perspective, what it's really like back there at the fryer. So I I tried to get a job at McDonald's uh, here in Montana. I went to three different, the three local McDonald's within a 40 mile radius of me trying to get a job. And it was funny because when they'd hand me the application and ask for my education and so on, I I was hesitant to list Princeton University, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and, uh, so I I portrayed myself as a guy who'd done a lot of agricultural work and Mm. was sort of, you know, it was winter and out of season and I needed something. But because but but I was rejected at every McDonald's I applied to. Now, nowadays, I might not be now that they're paying twenty one dollars an hour, you know, and, and don't even have cashiers, just kiosks because of the labor shortage. Um, but in those days, I was rejected and I finally solved the mystery. They said that men above a certain age were not welcome to work at McDonald's because it was thought that they might be predatory toward the children and young people who really both work there and our customers there. Um, so it, so I was a suspect person as a 45 year old guy wanting to work at McDonald's. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a little creepy, but yeah, <laughs> it was when I think back on it, I'm glad I didn't get the work, but in any case, this subway fellow you're talking about, um, is giving us the news. Yeah, in, in, no, he in, is, you he know, is. um, so he, he's, a, I had, I, I, I'd call him a serious a version of an influencer. Some influencers are just people who punch themselves in the face, you know, and then film their but bloody. But I'm okay nose. with that. I mean, are aren't you okay with that? Like there, you know, there are there are people who do this, just uh, ridiculously stupid things. I'm I'm not so hot on the on the PewDiePie um, genus where it's a bunch of kids. You know, it's somebody who's playing a video game and narrates their experience as they're playing a video yeah. game. Like I. I <laughs> That doesn't really do it for me, but I don't know. Um, somebody doing ridiculous or disgusting things or jumping off elephants' heads or whatever it is. Like, they do all these right. crazy things on, on YouTube. They're, they're really funny. I, I, I'm i for it. I'm for them making money. Um, well, I mean, they, they say it's a eyeball economy. You know, it's all about attracting eyeballs. Um, and frankly... Uh, I'm sure most of them have audiences that dwarf CNNs, for example. 
um, uh, whatever works. You know, capitalism is in a way the system of just seeking out cracks and opportunities like water and then flowing into them regardless of whether they're, you know, high status. Um, and, and, and we're learning about our world. You know, uh, I'm, I'm learning about the, just now the plight of the subway worker. Um, and, uh, and Andrew Tate though is interesting because he was an influencer on a, on a massive scale. I mean, I started becoming aware of him a couple of months ago. I think he was restored to Twitter and he, he did a little clip um, from his private jet, which is probably a set. I think he lives in like the UAE or someplace strange. Um, he's kind of like Steven Seagal. He's rumored to be a, a you know, an asset of, of Putin or some evil, you know, dictator somewhere. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was flying around, you know, and he wears like expensive track suits and gold chains and his shirt's always open. And, Ugh. you know, in the old days, he'd have a gold cigarette holder. And he was saying he was flying to San Francisco to thank Elon personally for, um, you know, his his, his work opening up, yeah, opening up Twitter. Um, but the guy may be a complete fraud, um, except in his bank account. I think he ran us from the reporting I've seen lately. He ran a service of I don't know that brought webcam girls to the world. Like he had some sort mm. of stable of only fans style uh, sex workers or something. Um, I mean, he, he wasn't a reputable character to begin with, but apparently that was his appeal. And he was kind of a douchebag Jordan Peterson in the sense that he was selling a kind of unreconstructed toxic masculinity to the world and to young men who have been deprived of the folk wisdom, you know, about, you know, how to get women to pay attention to you and so on. His, so it's, so it's sort of like the, the E uh, social media version of Iron John or something like that. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's like the men's Iron rights John, the movement. Ro the, the Robert Bly book. Yeah. Um, this is a much degraded version. I mean, Robert Bly was an estimable. Which was degraded itself, wasn't it? <laughs> Robert Bly was an estimable poet from my home state of Minnesota. And uh, Andrew Tate is some, you know, man of obscure citizenry who flies around in a jet that may or may not be real with a stable of quote unquote cam girls who it turns out may or may not be exploited in some criminal fashion. That's um, yeah, I, yeah. And, and and not that I want to joke about it, but you see, I'm still on mystery one. Who was Epstein? Who who is Epstein purveying young women to? You know, oh right. Because uh, if we're going to get back to the unsolved mysteries, we got to go into the backlog. And one of them was who the hell was going to Epstein Island? We still don't know. Why was Ghislaine Maxwell um, convicted of sex trafficking, though we have no idea who the clients she trafficked to were? Um, and then I, I realized even over, you know, as if like a dome over all these other mysteries is where did COVID come from and what is it? <laughs> um, uh, so it, it's like a Russian nesting doll of uh, enigmas these days. And journalists don't seem to see their job as clearing these up, but as right. maybe just policing our attitudes about them.
we only get like partial rulings on things like uh Epstein. They only they only investigate it up to a point. They leave big things like who snuck into a prison and suicided a guy to death. Um you know, just snuck past the cameras, like stuff like that ought to be somehow solved. It feels to me, I don't know. Um, uh, that and you know, there, what what happened with COVID? I mean, it, it, that's one of the things that's been kind of a revelation. Looking at these Twitter files, like I'm looking at these State Department uh, unclassified circulars talking about the the um you know all the different people they suspect of being uh russian proxies because they're speculating that uh the cia might be behind covid or covid might be an engineered bioweapon and as a result of that um we we assess that these people are are fake and um but so there's no i, I don't i don't feel like there's a real earnest effort out there anywhere to get to the bottom of any of this stuff you know okay okay specifically of covid yeah mr musk in the last few days has Mm -hmm. tweeted about fauci and suggested that gain of function in viruses the kind of research that adds functionality to them is tantamount to making weapons that's not a unfair uh, to bioweapons that's not an unfair characterization of his tweet uh, i've got it right in my mind and and musk is i think of the essence in this conversation because all of the um, accusations that have been used of other people from trump on down are now being um sort of channeled toward musk he he's the er asset we're not sure of whom or what maybe it's the future simulationists who are beaming our present reality back to us through time but you know maybe he's a asset of a science fiction entity that has yet to be revealed but he seems to be now the sort of collecting pool for all charges of you know uh mischief uh disloyalty and uh you know yeah he's he's a suppressive person Right. Yes. A suppressive person. Yeah. I mean, all the conspiracy theories about Musk could, you know, equal all the conspiracy theories that are supposedly being shot down. They're they're all being resurrected in some ways around this evil character who, you know, is manipulating the world suddenly. See, I Uh, find this so bizarre uh, that there are people who have such violent reactions to to Musk. I. I, I honestly don't get it. I mean, is it that he's a capitalist who has a record of treating his workers a certain way at Tesla? Like, what, what is it that, that, that they're, what is it about him that bothers them that doesn't bother them about Jeff Bezos or, um, you know, who's another super rich person? Uh, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, whose many companies, you know, the many companies which he controls through Berkshire Hathaway, some have real problems. You know, I, I live down yeah, the railroad Russell. thing. I mean, like, right? It, exactly. You know, the Burlington Northern Railroad that 
he owns comes through my town. Sometimes in the background on this podcast, you can hear the horns, the air horns of the uh, locomotives blasting. Um, I live down in Las Vegas where the power company is owned by Warren Buffett. And, you know, prices on that power have gone up and there have been a lot of there's been a lot of controversy in town about how it operates and whether it's gouging or not. Um, you know, uh, no one has yet accused Elon Musk of price gouging on Tesla's. Uh, I happen to be a Starlink user. I have a, a, a cabin way out in the woods here in Montana, which was almost impossible to get internet to in any working way. In, and the satellite services were charging me hundreds of dollars a month for, you know, trickle like uh download speeds um starlink came along and you know uh in five minutes i was able to pull it out of the box put it on the roof and get five times the performance on the internet that i'd ever had in the middle of freaking nowhere um so product is one i'm very happy about one of the few that's functioned even better than advertised um, you look up in the sky some nights and you see those Starlink satellites going by like a string of pearls. It's a pretty impressive sight. Um, more impressive than seeing an Amazon truck go by on the freeway. Um, yet, yet, it, yet it's the man behind these wonders who um, is taking the most flack. And, and, and I, I think that there actually may be a relationship between those two things. Elon Musk is rather threatening because he's an old school industrialist updated for the technology age who seems to have an optimistic view of the future, a long-term plan, you know, wants to get to Mars and so on and develop all the technologies between now and then that might get us there. Um, And uh, also has this campaign that is rather idealistic it seems to open up twitter into a forum or open public square that it might have been but never got to be so maybe it's just too forward thinking maybe the realm of politics which wants to capture the notion of progress is threatened by an industrialist who promises progress in a secular way i i guess that's the objection it still seems really odd to me. Is it just is it just that he's a what's the word they use? Um the FBI used in one of its circulars. Uh we like we're identifying information gaps uh that may cause election interference. Like Twitter is now an information gap. It's like an uncontrolled environment, right? And there, there are objections to that, I guess. Uh, that... Well, Matt, you know, I never, I never spare myself the pleasure of having Baroque dystopian um, ideas about where we're all going. Um, I, I think that's my right as a screenwriter, certainly, also as an American, and uh, as someone who's been watching science fiction since he was a little kid and has been urged to think in these terms, and. Um, you know, it seems to me that total information control, what some people call the hive mind or, you know, or Skynet, may indeed be an objective of certain parties in our world. And right. and, 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 and 
And information gaps are bad because they add uncertainty, a level of anarchy, freedom, unpredictability to a process which various Mr. Bigs around the world, and they still seem to be mostly misters, are, 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 are trying to um, institute. Uh, I, I think that Elon in some ways is, is a spanner in the works, a fly in the ointment, you know, um, and uh, he can't be, he can't be predicted and he can't be tamed. He's also one of the last or only funny billionaires. Warren Buffett is known for his wit, and I've written about Buffett and seen him in action, and he is indeed a dry, sardonic, and pretty entertaining character, even somewhat brilliant. Musk is like that, too, but Bezos is not, nor, right. is, Ga nor is Gates. And, and Gates seems to be the paradigm of the billionaire now, the, the guy who you know, has devoted his entire fortune to our safety and our, you know, um, our health and to global progress. And, and so the Gates model, which all operates through NGOs and, you know, um, governmental bureaucracies uh, and the World Health Organization, et cetera, seems to be the preferred model for, for multi-billionaireness. Right, it's sort of this emotionally absent person who doesn't have a like a strong historical or literary or, you know, dramatic sense about anything uh, and is e easily manipulated in those realms is really good at making some kind of useful shit uh, and accumulating money. <laughs> but, but otherwise... If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.